I'm Beth Hockberger, CPA, CGMA, and I have the fabulous Alexa Rosario back. So we're going to talk a little bit about what is going on in our crazy South Florida market. What is happening? Is this going to go on forever? Are we going to crash? Are the prices going up and down? We have interest rates. There's so much. This is complicated. It's really there complicated. is so much. Yes. And it's, it's interesting because I think that so many people try to follow like what the media says or what social media says about real estate and forget how, how hyper-local real estate actually is. So like what happens in one neighborhood, what happens in one city, what happens in one zip code or one county can be entirely different than somewhere else. So I was just um, talking to a good friend of mine uh, just the other day, and we were talking about how uh, they're trying to move Silicon Valley to either Texas or Florida. And so Florida. We, had this, <laughs> well, we, had, we had this whole debate about whether Texas or Florida were going to win. And so his argument was that Texas is going to win because they have good feeder schools for technology and they have more land to build on. And we don't have, unfortunately, either of those things. And so we end up. Hold on. I, I take issue with that, actually. And I'm not even <laughs> like a Florida local. I mean, I identify as one now because I've been here yep. for a while, but our schools, our public universities are very well rated now. Yeah. University yeah. of Florida, one of the best public universities in the country. So yeah. I don't so, know that I agree with that. I mean, it's a so little bit not in South Florida, but. <laughs> yeah. In comparison though, you look at like Silicon Valley where I think Stanford is over there. And then you have like some of the uh -huh. best tech schools in the country that are in cities that are, are drawing um, that sort of talent. And then they choose to stay there. So yeah, our, uh, not to say mm -hmm. that Florida schools are bad. They're just not Stanford and they're not these like prestigious tech oh. schools. <laughs> Hold on. But you know what? Cause I did go to a prestigious tech school. Mm -hmm. Went to MIT. I stayed in Boston for a couple of years. I but didn't know that. That's awesome. You didn't know that? Yeah. No. Uh, I have a, an undergraduate degree in material science and engineering. Stayed in Boston for like, oh, like two years, something like that. And eventually the conditions of where you live outweigh the, do I just stay where I am? So yeah. my husband, who also went to MIT, was from Florida. And we were like, Boston's terrible. It's cold. It's gray. It's dark. It's misery. It's expensive. Although now Miami is expensive too, but it only held us there for two years. And then yeah. it was like, you know what? There's more to life than just working. <laughs> definitely. Well, and, and I think we're definitely starting to see more of that as uh, the ability to work remote becomes oh, more, yeah. more popular. So like you look at like Airbnb who just made it so that they're going to be a permanent remote company and they have like I don't, I don't remember the exact number. It's like, a, it's an insane amount of employees, like 50,000 employees all around the world. Wow. Um, I, I, I think that's the number and it, they're permanently remote and they'll have, they said that they'll have office space. They'll have, you know, kind of the option to come into the office, but it's not going to be the typical cubicle and, you know, corner office sort of setup of the past. It's really going to be communal workspaces where you want to have a meeting, you want to bring a client in that sort of stuff that's what you're going to start to see. Um, and so I think where all of this kind of plays into real estate is because specifically, because we don't have enough land. Um, I was actually in another conversation recently where we were talking about how there's, there's less than like 1% of buildable land left in Broward County. 
like 1%. Yeah. So <laughs> that is the ultimate definition of supply and demand. We have yeah. not enough supply, not even, and it's, it's not even just like, eh, we're just a little bit short. No, we're like drastically short on supply. And yeah. then we have masses of people who are moving here. And I think, oh, last, <laughs> yeah, and I think last time around, we talked about this too, in how, and all the reasons why people are moving to Florida. And so it's, it's, um, it's an interesting kind of dynamic that you're seeing because the, the people who are familiar with 2007, 2008 are seeing some of the things that make them feel like this might be the same thing. And yet all the underlying indicators are entirely different. See, thank you for saying that because I keep talking to people and they're like, it's going to crash next year. It's going to crash next year. And I'm like, were you here when that happened? Because there are real fundamental differences. Like I remember because you know, working in tax, I remember seeing everybody was a real estate genius because, well, if I just sell my house to this like sham LLC that I own at an inflated price with these crazy mortgages. Well, now I'm rich because I just had this insane sale and it, it wasn't real. There was nothing propping it up because you were selling it to yourself in, in effect, right? If you really boil it down yeah. and now it's like, no, you're not selling it to yourself. <laughs> you're selling it to all these people who will buy it sight unseen from another state. Yeah. And that's really a fundamental difference because yeah, everything's full. We don't have those empty condo buildings. Do you remember that the empty buildings were oh, like yeah. five people and they're like, oh, we need a new roof, but there's only five of us. I can't afford exactly. to replace anything. You yeah. don't have that so, now. Yeah. So you bring up so many great points. So Miami's condo market specifically over 500,000 was in a hardcore buyer's market for like the last several years. Even now when in, when everything else was a seller's market and Miami's yeah. condo market was a buyer's market now. Miami's condo market is also a seller's market simply because again, there's not enough inventory. So we also see that after 2008, when the market crashed last time around, um, a lot of builders stopped building. They ran out of money, they lost desire, whatever it was just stopped building. So now we see the millennial generation coming up on this home buying age. And so a lot of millennials are doing fairly well for themselves. They had kids later, they made sure that you know, they protected themselves from the things that their parents went through. And now they bought crypto, <laughs> and bought crypto, started tech companies, whatever it is. And, and yeah. now are coming into, okay, now I'm ready to buy a property. And yet they're in a better, in a lot of cases, a better cash position than some of my even move up buyers are because they've been kind of operating out of a place of fear of not ever wanting to be in that position either. So we have yeah. not enough land. We have tons of people moving down here and not just saying like, I'm going to buy a second property down here because that was a big, uh, a big issue last time around where there were so many secondary residences here that when, you know, the arm uh, mortgages kind of just exploded um, you saw that people had a choice, either keep my primary residence or keep my secondary. And for most people, that's not a hard decision to make. So they let their secondary foreclose, which was in Florida, and then they kept yeah. their primary. Now, because again, permanent work from home, uh, the tax advantages, the fact that Florida yes. was very open during COVID in terms of yes. our economy, the ability to move around, that brought a lot of people down here. And then you have the, this millennial generation coming up on 
okay, now we're old enough to buy. And so it's just this massive competition and not enough land. And we're millions of properties short nationally on, on actual inventory that hasn't, hasn't been built. So it's like, it, it is a hot mess of not enough property, too many buyers and no easy solution to fix yeah. it. So, yeah, no, no crash is coming. <laughs> Nothing coming to save you. <laughs> I don't know that's a save. That's probably like better. Well, I'm hoping it lasts for quite a while because like my youngest child is 12. So mm-hmm. I can't really move for like six, seven years. So I need it to keep going <laughs> so I can sell my house at a ridiculous price in seven years. But like in all seriousness, you know, the, the Texas versus Miami, I think there's so many similarities between yep. there's Texas and Florida they were also open, very open, like we were. There, There is a lot going for both. But I think what's really a draw in Miami, where it's nice to see, because I've been involved in the tech scene for many, many years. Um, and all the know, crypto stuff that you're doing is awesome. Yes, yes. So if you go to Miami, it is, it is literally like crypto capital. You cannot like throw a rock and not hit uh, a Web3 developer, an investor, somebody involved and that is really thanks to mayor suarez yes going and actively trying to recruit those silicon valley folks to come over here so i don't know it it seems real appealing but there's always been an affinity between um california and like austin and some with some of the tech stuff but i'm loving seeing it here because you don't before you never thought of florida as a tech hub right but we we are also gateway to South America. So yeah, no, definitely it's, it's, it's an interesting sort of, I don't know, dynamic that I think we're going to have to see how it plays out because there's, there's a lot of factors that are going to influence it. And one of the things that I'm keeping an eye on personally is the cost of living. And what I mean by that is if, if we're looking at, so a lot of the younger kind of tech developers. So we're talking about the ones straight out of school or the ones who are high school geniuses and just figure out how to do it in high school. Like those are the ones that you're going to find are going to drive a lot of the tech sort of culture or the tech community in a city because they're the ones who are out and about and attending all the events and so on and so forth. And because of the fact that, again, we don't have land um, and compared to Texas where it's literally endless, just acres and miles of flatland that's just buildable and you're seeing like family farms that have been in in you know in their family for 200 years are now like yeah we'll sell to the big developer and so they can build much more affordably than we can um and also i think texas actually builds with wood we built with concrete so our construction is more expensive yeah so you look at things like that and then when you factor in one of the things that i'm really keeping an eye on is uh as prices go up, you're going to start to see that the people who work at Publix and the gas stations and, you know, our teachers and the people who are the crossing guards at, you know, at at your kids kind of crosswalk, um, they're not going to be able to afford to live here anymore. And so the only alternative is that they are going to continue to demand to make more money in order to live here, which means that the business owners who operate behind these smaller businesses, like the, the corner store or whatever other kind of local places are going to have to raise prices. Yeah. And that makes 
not only the housing more expensive, but also things like gas and groceries and everything else, 100%. getting your nails done, like all of that. So that's yeah. really what I'm kind of keeping an eye on. And I'm not really sure where that's going to head yet, but I am, I am very much in tune with what's going to happen there. So you have that aspect of it. That's kind of driven by like the housing market, but then we've got the overall just, you know, inflation, inflation. that's happening. I think, I mean, not that I'm so old. I don't think I've ever seen gas. I saw gas last night, four ninety five. I have never seen gas that expensive in my life. Like in person, you see pictures. Yeah. So maybe the fact that California is at like $7 or whatever, maybe that'll help like get people no, definitely. out of there. But. Yeah. Well, I, okay. So, and then like that brings up like, cause this is, it's not just about real estate. And I think the mistake that so many people make, and I, I, I think that you would agree with this is real estate is not separate from everything else. Real estate, especially when you're looking at the higher price points, because people buy more real estate when their their other assets are doing well. If their stock portfolio is absolutely crushing it, they're like, I can take some money out and, and buy more uh, more real estate. Like that generally, there's a yeah. very direct relationship there. And what you're seeing is like, as, as everything gets more expensive, it's just, it's not, that part is not going to be feasible to continue to maintain. We'll see about the the pricing piece. And I think as interest rates have, have gone up, we're starting to see that instead of there being 20 or 30 or 50 offers on a property, there's three or five. And instead of a property selling in three hours, it's taking a week to sell. Oh, it's so still kind of a going, seller's market. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it sounds a little bit more normal. Like some of the stories I was hearing from people, because we we do market to individuals who live in high-tax states, yep. trying to entice them mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to come to Florida, but also as, as a service, like helping them navigate, like how do you actually physically become a resident of another state? Right. And um, it's crazy. Some of the stories I would hear, like people would get on an airplane to come look at properties by the time they land, they're all sold. <laughs> I, so I, I heard I actually, that multiple times. <laughs> I literally lost a $3 million buyer because he wanted to see three very particular properties. I spoke to the listing agents. So let's say, I don't remember the exact dates, but let's say I spoke to, I spoke to the listing agents on like Wednesday. He booked his flight that night, came down Thursday. I spoke to the listing agents Thursday morning and two hours before I went to go show the properties. By the time he landed, all three of them were sold. And he was so mad at me. And I'm like, up until $4 million, we are still in a seller's market. Like it's, it, wow. that's not, it's just because you're in a higher price point doesn't mean that you're immune to any of this. Like up to 4 million, you're still, and even between four and 7 million, it's a balanced market. So like, unless you have $8 million to buy a property, it's not, a, it's not a buyer's market. Like, <laughs> I wish I did. I, I know, I, right? I really wish I did. <laughs> Definitely. That's, it, I also find it interesting. I've always found it interesting that, you know, when you do get into that, like higher, much higher end, how it's so divorced from like the other parts of the real estate market, right? Like, you know, you, cause we have Fort Lauderdale, We've got, you know, you go down, take a boat ride down any of the river, like go down New River or whatever, and you see those mansions, it's like yeah. ridiculous mansions, they're empty. <laughs> but well, I think a lot of them are rentals and, and things like that. But, you know, you'll see like the first sale home. sign, the second and third, right? But you see those sale signs and you're like, I just wonder how much are these places on sale, like $20 yeah. million or whatever. 
but it it's just such a, a it's a different world when you're dealing in those multiples of millions and trying to sell things yeah so I'm guessing yeah. they're not flying off the shelves in quite the same way no no <laughs> I don't but know they, they ever do they're do they still, ever they are still selling they are really? definitely still selling yes so it's it's been interesting it has definitely been interesting and we're not expecting we're expecting it to slow down and to normalize and that's a key word like not crash normalize normal. meaning that this is our new normal and instead of getting like i said 10 20 30 50 offers we're getting three to five at these new prices and historically when we see interest rates go up it doesn't actually affect pricing it just affects the number of properties that are sold oh. so there's there yeah so everyone's like oh interest rates are going up prices are going to go down no they're not they're not they're even the, the leading for the sellers. <laughs> yeah. The leading, uh, I forget if it's six or seven, um, economists that really like we look at in real estate are expecting an average. The numbers are between like 3% and I think 14%. We're expecting an average of like 7% price increases wow. over the next year compared to the 20% that we experienced last year. <laughs> that, that was a little crazy. So I guess that leads me to the question of, are things still selling it over ask? Are we still seeing even, that? Even before this market, we are, we were still seeing that. Like even when the market oh. is a lot slower, there's, there's something that we call the tale of two markets. And that what that means is it depends on how the seller prices the property. When a seller prices the property. So, okay, let me back up in order to understand how this works. You have to understand buyer psychology. Buyers need to feel like they're winning, period. Okay. So at the end of the day, it's either going to be the buyers competing against each other or the buyers competing against the seller. One of those two competitions is always going to be happening. Makes right? sense. Yeah. So now when a seller says, hey, I want to price my property 15% or even 10% above where it should be, buyers have a compulsive desire to sit there and refresh every five seconds to see what's new on the market, what has come <laughs> off the market. And in their micro kind of search criteria, they are, they become experts very quickly because they're obsessive about it. Mm. So if a seller puts their house on the market and buyers have access to information, square footage, garage, pools, upgrades, how old your roof is like that kind of stuff. They've seen so many properties in that little kind of criteria that if your property is overpriced, they know it. Huh. They absolutely know it. And they might not know it down to this property is 10% over what it should be selling for, but they go, this property is not as nice as this one. And so I want to see this one because this one is probably going to be gone. That one can wait. And so from that perspective, you see that properties that are priced really well and have the most features and benefits for the price sell in multiple offers. The properties that don't perform as well in that competition with other properties sit a little bit longer. So then the natural question that buyers start to ask is what's wrong with this house? And the answer is nothing. It's just overpriced. And then they have to price reduce. And you see that properties that go through a price reduction actually end up selling for less than properties that price it right from the beginning. 
that's interesting because that's almost counterintuitive, right? You would think if you price it really high, okay, fine, I don't get it. I'll lower it a little, I'll lower it a little. But if the buyers can watch that happening almost in real time, right? If you can keep hitting refresh and you see like, oh, that property yep. you know, was listed for you know 500,000. Now it's only you know, 475. They can watch it. <laughs> they know that nobody else is biting yep. either. That's so interesting. That's, yeah, it's it's literally it comes down to social proof. If if a buyer walks into a property and sees that other people want it, so at our very core level, we are always looking for kind of the social proof and validation of the people that we love and care about. So if we see that everybody else is dying over this property, naturally we can't help it. But to Must go, be something good. <laughs> now I want it even more. And so I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get mm. this offer accepted because my peers like it, because it's going to feel good to win, and because I'm going to get what I want. On the flip side, when you overprice, the buyers go, I'm smarter than the seller. Watch. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna negotiate better than them. And so now they're on a mission to nickel and dime you, not only on the price, but during inspection, if the appraisal comes in low, like everything becomes a whole different ballgame because the buyer is trying to win the competition instead of the buyer competing against the other buyers to win that competition. And then once you're under contract, if, if a seller can say, listen, I have 10 other offers. I'm not giving you an inspection credit. Most buyers are going to go, okay, well, I'm not going to give it up. I still won this one. I'm just going to move forward. So it's like, it, it very much is buyer psychology. That's interesting. So you have like, it's like the two dynamics. It's, you know, who are you battling, right? If you're mm -hmm. battling the other buyers, you're in a bidding war now, right? Yeah. So it's like an auction. It's just going to keep going up and up and up. Whereas yeah. you're, you're um, going up against the seller. Well, now it's like, you know, a, it down, a race it down, it down. down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then your poor seller is like, okay, fine. Like, what can I really deal with and actually sell this property? That's very interesting. Um, it's funny because you mentioned like that people know everything about the properties they're looking for. I was at a sales event. It was for tech companies in Miami. And they were talking about how like buyers are very knowledgeable now. People are extremely not extremely knowledgeable and it doesn't matter what it is they are buying by the time they're like, okay, I'm looking at X and it doesn't matter what it is. They don't need you. You don't need you to educate them on like, what is it that you're buying? It's like, no, we know <laughs> just like convince exactly. us yep. at this point. Yep. Yep. So it's, I guess that's the internet for you. Let's yeah. In a lot know. of cases, like I, I'm not a salesperson. I don't sit there and say, Hey, you should buy this property. Like there's in, in every situation with my clients, I'm an advisor and a consultant. I will tell them when what they're doing is going to help them further their goals. And I will also tell them when what they're doing is going to take them further away from their goals. And so I'll give them the information and I let them make the decision because at the end of the day, it's their house. They're right? the ones that live in it. It's their life. And like, that's, that's really what I see as our highest fiduciary duty as an agent is advising and they get to make the decision at the end of the day. I don't, I don't sell people at all. That's so that's so brilliant though. Right. It's like, I don't have to make you buy this house. I don't have to make you sell this house. I'm just, you're already there. You already won. You already know what you want. 
Yep. So how do you get what you want? Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, That's why like, you're so good at what you do. There's never <laughs> been a time in history that an agent forced uh, someone in their right mind to move when they didn't want to move. Like, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, I could be like, bet, you know, like, I know that you like me and I know that I like you. I think that like, I should get you, I should get you to buy this house because it's just a really pretty house. Like there's no, I can't, <laughs> I can't force you to move if you don't want to move. If you right, want to move, you're right. going to move. Like it's, it's, it, that's, I think the, the core of it is be an advisor, not, not a salesperson. Um, I have an idea. Okay. Ready? So we don't have enough places to build right? Maybe we bring back Stiltsville. <laughs> we start building houses back out in the water again. Yeah. That what could be... go wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> oh, you know what? Hurricanes. Listen, insurance, <laughs> hurricanes. The How would you even tax that? Like, <laughs> I mean, there's a few that still exist. I mean, I don't know if anyone lives in them, but you can see them when you go down, um, where's like Key Biscayne or wherever you can still see them. Uh, and I'm wondering if somebody's going to be like, oh, maybe we should. We really don't have enough inventory. And I actually end up talking to people who want to be Florida residents. They live on their boat. I mean, yeah, when they say awesome. boat, I'm assuming it's a yacht, but they say yeah. boat. So, yeah. I, so first <laughs> of all, I get, super, <laughs> I get so seasick. I would never be able to do that. Like the, the concept of it sounds amazing, but like if I were to actually be on a boat like that and just live on it. I would puke my guts up like every day for the rest of my life. I'd be so miserable. <laughs> well, you know what? There's people who like retire or they like semi-retire on cruise ships and they, they'll go on like six months at a time cruises and, and crazy things like that. So it might be a little bit better. It's not like a little boat, but no. yeah, definitely. I don't know. Creative solutions to problems. I mean, I think that's really the other thing is that you're going to find people with creative solutions if people really want to be in Florida, which I think if, I think if life here stays the way it is, maybe minus the like things getting real expensive, you know, just like the nice weather, the, um, the, the freedom, <laughs> the low taxes, like there's a lot of things that are appealing as our schools improve. I think that'll help also, but you'll end up having to have some creative solutions to what do we do about the lack of housing. I'm guessing it's probably going to be paving over green things like um, uh, golf courses. Because yeah. my neighborhood's and high, and actually higher density as well. That yeah. makes a big difference. Yeah, my my neighborhood has talked about that because we do have a golf course in the middle of it, and there's been people trying to push like, oh, we could build all these condos, and you know, of course, and the homeowners were like, do we really want that like a block away from us? I don't think so. Traffic is bad enough already, etc. Yep. But at some yes. point, it's it's just going to be so financially feasible that it'll happen, I guess. So that brings up the next point of the infrastructure. So we are like, for for example, the city of Fort Lauderdale has has gone through their kind of forgive my French, but oh shit moment of <laughs> of realizing that like infrastructure needed to be a priority a long time ago, and and I know that they're not the only ones. Like that was just yeah. the most recent and well they have the, the problem with the the water system yeah, yeah. yeah. The, well the pipe bursts and everything and so you're seeing that and this again this is not just a Fort Lauderdale thing this is all of South Florida look at even the, the Surfside building and that collapse all of these things are making people go like okay well number one 
we need to really be more aggressive about inspecting the buildings that people are living in. And number two, we need to make sure that we're better and more proactively planning for traffic, for our water, for um, flooding, all of these things that are, yeah. are affecting quality of life become massively more important before we can continue having people moving here. So it's going to be a journey, but I know that there's a lot of really smart, really committed people working on those. Well, and we have some somewhat of solutions, right? We have like the, um, the express lanes and things that have opened on the highways. They've yeah. rejiggered the, the um, on and off ramps on 595 to try to handle that flow better. Definitely. So there is some stuff, but where you've got like, you know, two lane roads, <laughs> it's really hard to both add housing and add cars to two lane roads yeah, exactly. and get more lanes. Where are you... <laughs> How are you making yeah. that happen? Physics yeah, totally. Away eventually. <laughs> well, so like, for example, in, in the city of Fort Lauderdale, there's, um, if anyone is familiar with 13th street, where that is over by Fort Lauderdale high school, that whole area, they just went through and redid the roads for to, they added the, the turnabout to make the flow of traffic easier. Then you have like in sunrise, well, it's like on the border of sunrise and plantation, you have hiatus used to end at sunrise and then pick back up at Oakland and they, they completely opened it up so that now you can travel all the way through. So there's like, there's a lot of things like that, that are those, those, what I call 1% improvements that you're like, Oh, okay. Like this actually makes my life a little bit easier and a little bit better and traffic a little bit more bearable. And yet they're still, and I think this is, this is a nationwide sort of challenge is, uh, maintaining infrastructure as, as quickly as populations are changing. And then we're faced with things like shortage of, of laborers and shortage of materials. Like yeah. literally I, my car has been in the shop since January 4th. Oh yes. You were saying they can't get the part. <laughs> they're missing. They're missing part. I ordered contacts and it took them like three and a half weeks to be able to give me my contacts. So it's like, there's, I know that like everything is more expensive, harder to get and labor is more expensive. So I, yeah. I think everything's going to kind of start to get a little bit easier. It's just, we're in, we're in the tough spot right now. Yeah. You have to hit that, I guess, inflection point. And I don't know what causes that. Uh, I'm guessing it's going to be related to gas. It, it's I just, would hope so. it's just one of those things. It's like, it affects everything else, right? Maybe not housing so much. I mean, it might, it, it could possibly, but it affects your food price. It affects, you know, transportate, tr transporting, transporting materials, transporting things. So it's going to be like, all right, you know, at one point are, are the people just going to be like in a revolt against such high gas prices one way or another, whether it's, you know, reducing consumption or, I don't know, going to your politicians and being like, this is not okay. Like turn pipes back on or go frack or whatever you need to do. <laughs> that sounds yeah. so bad, right? Go frack, go, <laughs> you know, turn back on the fracking. I don't know if they shut it down, but I know a lot of people aren't happy. And, but even in Florida, like there's a lot of debate about um, drilling offshore because when it goes bad, it's really bad for mm -hmm. our environment. So, yeah. but you know, all these things are trade-offs. I know. And well, and like I said, there's, it's going to take time. There's a lot of really smart, really committed, and in most cases, very well-funded people who are look, looking for resources 
and looking for solutions to all of these things. Like even for anyone who's watching, who's not local, like one of the first questions I get is always like, so we love Florida, but how worried do we need to be about hurricanes? And like, yeah, like once every 10 years, you get a bad one. I'm knocking on wood right now for those of you that can't see. I've lived here since 2008. The worst hurricane that I was in in the first 10 years that I was here was uh, my first two days of school moving down here. They were canceled uh, because of an impending Wilma, hurricane. Right? No, this was this was Katrina. 12, was it that 13 years ago. Didn't even didn't even get I don't even know what the name was. It ended up being my sisters, my mom, and I went to the beach and hung out for two days because it was beautiful. So like that was that was the first oh. hurricane <laughs> warning. One of the one of the misses. Exactly. Um, yep. My first hurricane would I, I don't remember what order they happened in. There was Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane Wilma. Yep. And yes, that Katrina that went on to destroy um, New Orleans hit us first <laughs> and went and destroyed them. But it was so bad there that we didn't have, we didn't have power for like two weeks or something crazy yeah. because the whole country like had to go help them, which obviously their situation was much, much worse than ours. We didn't yeah. end up underwater at least, but yeah, I was like, oh crap, where did I move to? <laughs> Cause it was two bad ones in a row and like yeah. no power. And yep. uh, I did get to meet my neighbors. <laughs> we, all, we all had to like empty our fridges and like cook all our food together. Uh, you know, so that part was like a nice bonding experience, but it was a little disconcerting, but, he, but now they, you know, they've buried so many of the, um, the, the power lines or they've put them up instead of on the tree trunks, they're on those, um, the concrete poles that it's not so bad. Yeah, definitely. So bad, but yeah, no AC in like September in Florida. Uh, yeah. Well, the, this, so my, <laughs> my second hurricane kind of, uh, engagement was, um, Irma in 2017. I think it was. Oh yeah. Irma also sucked. Yeah. And it, so it was, but I think we need to clarify what sucks. Like Irma sucked. We need to clarify <laughs> what that means because for, for us, that was a game night on at night. And then the power went out at 8 AM and it came back on at like 8 PM. And then that was the extent of, and there was like leaves and stuff, but to the, that was yeah. the extent of of kind of wow. what we ended up experiencing. It, I it a little bit depends where you are because yeah, where I am in Hollywood, yeah, we're you're not eight. that lucky. We're not yeah. that lucky. Um, we we lose power for a while and I'm not, where like my house specifically is, I'm like too far from Hollywood Hills High School to get it's turned back on on their yeah. grid. I'm not on the grid with the condos. So oh they get it first. They actually happened. One of the hurricanes, like literally people across the street from us got their power and it still took us a few days to get it. And I was oh like, my why? God. why us? Uh, but no, I mean, there are places that definitely get hit much worse. Definitely. You know, than, than we, cause Irma was the one that went through the keys, right. And also hit yes. Puerto Rico and you know, want to yeah, talk about I mean, bad infrastructure. <laughs> yeah, and I think there was another that hit the West. I'm I'm horrible at remembering. I think it was Irma that also went up into Tampa, up into that yeah. area, because everybody left here, and then it went to Atlanta afterward. Because I remember a lot of people in my neighborhood went to Atlanta, that it followed them. <laughs> yeah, the and, and like realistically, like we have to also acknowledge the fact that Florida is not the only place that gets hit with hurricanes, but somehow Florida ends up with a reputation. When, like we saw New Orleans, which is Louisiana, we saw even the Northeast, New York and New Jersey were hit with a really oh, yeah. bad hurricane 
you know, a couple years back. Dandy. So yeah. it's not, it's not just Florida. And thankfully we have a bubble of the hurricane gods protecting us the last couple of years. Uh, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> but Hey, Texas also gets them. Yeah, definitely. And Texas Northeast also gets blizzards and Texas and some of the other places like get droughts and all this other stuff. Tornadoes we, and things like, yeah, real, yeah once in a while we get a tornado, but it's not exactly. like, it's not like tornado alley. It's not, you know, no, you can usually see it. You're like, Oh, look at that. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> and it's usually like over the water. So it's like, Oh, that's yeah. really cool. The water no. spouts. Yeah, definitely. So we did, see, is- we did see a tornado not that long ago, actually. It was like, I don't know. I was on a camp out with my scouts and they made us leave Markham park because there was a tornado warning and you oh, could wow. see it like kind of coming together out in the distance, but like there's mother nature everywhere. You cannot get away from it. California has earthquakes. That seems way scarier yep. to me than a hurricane hurricane. And you know, it's least, coming. <laughs> yeah. At least with a hurricane, you can plan for it. You can get the gas and get the water and get the food and get the generator and do all the things. You can make sure that the property yeah. is built with the proper construction and up to code and everything. Yeah, seriously. Black ice, when you're driving, God forbid you need to, you can't, you can't Scary. prepare for that. Tornadoes, you can't prepare for that. Earthquakes, you can't prepare for that. Like there's a lot of things that we don't get to prepare for, but here in Florida, we have more than anything, the most annoying part of Florida is the lizards, not even the hurricanes. <laughs> it's when you get those two cold days and all those iguanas like fall out of the trees. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Actually, the worst part of that is the ones that don't die because none of those super iguanas that like can withstand cold temperatures, <laughs> they can like eat all the other iguanas that died and become like, oh you know, God, pulp, yeah, they deserve like I don't know, some type of award for their they're their, their grit if you want to call it. <laughs> they're like mutants they're um you know survival of the fittest darwinism right there it's like oh we managed to keep ourselves warm and survive so mm, sucks and then they're just bigger nuisances uh, i mean we do have some wildlife we saw a fox actually in our neighborhood the other day so i'm like i don't know where this fox is coming i mean it's smaller than my dog but i'm still like what foxes the uh, opossums running around but they're supposed to be like good i guess um, I, I don't get any gators by me. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't do gators. But thankfully, they're not as again as common as people might think. Um, and especially if you're near water, just get your yard fenced in, and you're good. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's All it. Right. <laughs> Alexa, you're the best. Uh, this is fun. You're the I, best. I love talking to you because you just know so much about so many things with real estate some people they just they're like oh buy and sell it but you really know like the economics surrounding the whole situation so it's really interesting to talk about everything yeah no I I genuinely like I said I'm I'm an advisor and I can't be a great advisor without also knowing enough to advise at a both macro and micro level so I really take pride in making sure that I understand like everything beyond just the house that you're looking to buy. So, um, and, but that's also why I admire you so much as an accountant, because firstly, you're the anti-accountant. That's, I feel like you should <laughs> bet that as like a hashtag, like bet the anti-accountant because you're, you're like the epitome of what you would not think of with an accountant. And yet you're so knowledgeable and you're also so fun. Like you make it actually fun. I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> I try. Well, cause you know, tax 
doing tax returns isn't fun, right? Like just literally filling things out. But when you watch things like tax policy, right? And the effects that it has on people, like I have my own views of like what should be in the tax code and what shouldn't. But very recently, right? We had these child tax credits, right? And we had these stimulus payments and all these things. And okay, it was nice to get money, but now we're feeling the, you know, the hangover from it with the inflation. But same I like time, that phrasing, the hangover of it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a, it's the hangover, you know, printing like a trillion dollars or whatever it was. But yeah. for me, for my clients, people were like panicked, like, what does this mean for my taxes now? Yeah. And you kind of get a feel when you're doing something for many, many years. And you don't want to talk about how many years, but I'm sure you have the same thing. Like you just, you see the trends, you see whatever. So when someone says, okay, you know, what does this do to my taxes? I'm like, oh, I can give you like roughly an estimate, maybe not to the dollar, but I say like, oh, this is make you a more, less, whatever. With these credits and rebates and things and stimulus payments, I was like, I have no idea. No idea. <laughs> no we'll idea. learn together. <laughs> And I feel bad telling people that, but it's like, well, how much did you get? Like, there's so many factors. Like, yeah. um, personally, like we, my husband and I filed separately this year. We actually owed more tax that way, but because of the child tax credits and the recovery rebate and all these things, it was better for us net overall. So I'm like, yeah. this is a crazy system. Like who thought this up? And it's totally acceptable. Like you can, you can switch back and forth and files, marry separate, whatever. And I never even really used to check unless someone asked because 90% of the time it was not applicable to people. And now it's like, well, who knows? Let's see what happens. Yes. It's like very disruptive. Yeah. It's very disruptive to my industry. Like it's not an industry. It's usually disrupted, but they make changes like that, that really affects everybody. And it is very disruptive. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the stuff that I find interesting is know how does the tax piece affect whatever and it does it it's also very local because you have like you know all these new yorkers coming down and i love when i get the phone calls and people are like so i'm gonna sell my business next week how do i become a florida resident i'm like no (laughs) like sorry i had to think about that last year (laughs) like yes just tomorrow i'm moving in here i am so it's funny it's it's interesting but thank you so much this was thank you this is the longest finance Friday ever, but I think it was. Really I know, great. right? <laughs> it was fun. And great I discussion. So definitely awesome. And I'm sure we'll do it again because it is yes, so fun. All right. Thank, thank you, Alexa. Thank we'll see you, everybody, Alexa. next Bye. time. <laughs>